Well, good morning, Greenwich, and welcome to the Monday, May 3rd edition of the Basement Academy. It is good to be back with you here in the basement, in the studio, uh, after a very interesting uh, week away, obviously, after following my mother's death on early Saturday morning, uh, April 24th, shared briefly last Monday, but really took the week off. Um, emotions, uh, activity. Obviously, the service is still ahead of us. Uh, we'll be gathering uh, to celebrate her life and to bear witness to the resurrection of Christ uh, on Saturday, the 15th of May. Uh, so family will be gathering up. And so yeah, this last week uh, has been uh, full of thoughts and emotion, a lot of activity, <laughs> sorting through uh, belongings and um a lot of memories, a lot of sweet, sweet memories, a lot of laughter, plenty of tears, uh, as you can imagine. Uh, and so actually uh, eager uh, to be back here with you. Uh, and we'll be sharing after our morning psalm, uh, sharing some notes from the house of mourning. Uh, had had uh, reflected on that from Ecclesiastes some time ago, uh, probably a week and a half ago. But I do want to begin with a psalm. Uh, today's the third day of the month, uh, lots of good psalms to choose from, uh, but what struck me this morning was Psalm 93. The Lord reigns, he is robed in majesty. The Lord is robed in majesty and is armed with strength. The world is firmly established, it cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You are from all eternity. The seas have lifted up, O Lord. The seas have lifted up their voice. The seas have lifted up their pounding waves. Mightier than the thunder of the great waters, mightier than the breakers of the sea, the Lord on high is mighty. Your statutes stand firm, Holiness adorns your house for endless days, O Lord. Psalm 93, just five verses. Love the image of the world that is firmly established and cannot be moved. Uh, at a time of death, you know, people's worlds are shaken. Uh, do not diminish that. Do not uh, belittle that. Uh, the experience of grief is enormously disruptive <clears throat> for whomever it comes. Uh, it's this, my world is shaken. And so this psalm gently reminds or firmly and boldly reminds the world is firmly established. It cannot be moved. Your throne was established long ago. You, O oh God, are from all eternity. And then that image of the seas lifting up their wave, the, the sea um, within uh, psalmic understanding, uh, Hebraic uh, Jewish understanding, the sea is often portrayed as the place of evil and chaos. And so the seas lifting up, the seas lifting up their waves, it's like this is going with that image of kind of the the world is is being shaken and is moved and is chaotic and the Lord on high is mightier <laughs> than the great waters, than the thunder of the seas. Uh, the, the Lord on high is mighty. 
And so it's a psalm of comfort. It's a psalm of assurance when our world is rocked, if I could say it that way, when our world is shaken. And that happens not just through death. It happens in so many different ways. Uh, we lose a job. Uh, there's a crisis of some sort within a relationship in the family, um, national events. You know, we're in a time still of a global pandemic and national impact. So when it feels like the ground is shifting and the world is rocked, this psalm is so helpful. The Lord on high is mighty. You, O oh Lord, are from all eternity. And so, anyway, I commend Psalm 93 uh, to you. It has been comforting uh, to me uh, already this day. Okay, going back uh, nearly two weeks ago, I was just offering some reflections, reflected uh, a little bit on the webinar we had uh, enjoyed, uh, many of us. Uh, on anti-Semitism and being uh, thoughtful people of conscience and supporting those who are being attacked or um, persecuted in some way. And then at the end of the week, reflected on the Derek Chauvin um, uh, verdict and some thoughts from my own training with the Presbytery. But tucked in the middle there, that Wednesday, uh, was a, a short little reflection on the House of Mourning this passage from Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Let me read that again. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 verses 1 through 4. A good name is better than fine perfume, and the day of death better than the day of birth. It is better to go to a house of mourning than to a to go to a house of feasting, for death is the destiny of every man, and the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter, because a sad face is good for the heart. The heart of the wise is in the house of mourning, but the heart of fools is in the house of pleasure. Hmm. So, read those words um, almost two weeks ago and offered then um, that they're hard words to hear. Uh, and, and it's a challenge to believe what these words are saying, that it's the day of death is better than the day of birth. Are you kidding me? And to go to the house of mourning is better than the house of feasting and pleasure. So let's, let's side with the word of God right now while we are kind of, I don't know about that. And so let me encourage you to go back. That would have been, let's see, probably April 21st. Does that make sense? I think that would have been the April 21st uh, Basement Academy. So maybe go back and listen to that if you missed it. Um, so we're in the house of mourning. I offered that day on the 21st that my mother was in hospice care with reflecting on the death of um, uh, a dear friend within the, the church family um, and that impact. But then mentioned that my mother was in hospice care. I had no idea that on Wednesday morning, as I was recording that, that within three days, my mother would be deceased that I would myself be walking into or thrust into the house of mourning. Um, 
but I offered that what I think how this works and I'm now getting to prove this out or test this out. <laughs> I'm in the lab right now, as it were, that death relativizes all things. Things that seem important kind of lose some importance, you know, chasing money, chasing uh, influence, chasing status, chasing things, chasing pleasure. Um, we were talking about this yesterday in church in the parable of the sower, how wealth, worries, and, and pleasure often choke out the good seed of God's word. And so I, I think this, this kind of dovetails a, a little bit. Um, the house of mourning finds us in a place where, uh, when death has come to a loved one or a dear friend, some, someone that um, we're in relationship with dies, and all of a sudden things shift in our lives. That which was important hours or days ago are less important. People give us a wide berth. They understand we need some space. Um, the, the, the press, the urgency of life. You can push the pause button. I can get to that project. I, I can miss a few days of work. Life will go on without me, you know, slaving away at the desk or at the computer. And so, and so there's a, there's things get relativized. Things are relative. Things that seem important are relatively unimportant. That that that's the idea. There's a clarity, a perspective, um, a wisdom on what matters most. Relationships, um, healing old wounds. You know, we bury the hatchet. You know, when families uh, families always have some nicks and, and and cuts that they inflict upon one another. But in times of death. Um, that that gets overseen, uh, forgiven, uh, calmed down in some way. So, so, um, so we're in the house of mourning uh, in the Meeks family, our extended family. Uh, we've had a lot of great conversations. I shared with you last Monday uh, this storybook ending. In, in we 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 continue to maintain that it wasn't just the emotion of the moment. Um, and, and perhaps as time goes on, we, we may lose some of the uh, wonder of it all, but, but I hope not. Uh, for those of you who missed, um, my mother was laboring uh, through the course of the day on Friday, April 23rd. And as uh, we struck midnight into the new day, uh, it was evident that she would not be living much longer at all. Uh, her breathing and uh, was very labored. And... Uh, Minutes before my mother's death, my daughter, uh, who had been visiting for just a couple weeks, uh, we're, we're so glad that she was to be able to be with us, had turned the Pandora radio station coming through the television that mom enjoyed. We, we had various radio stations that we, would, we had developed. Uh, the hymns, the classic hymns, <clears throat> contemporary hymns, old gospel, the gathers, um, Frank Sinatra radio, um, Tommy Dorsey radio. So, you know, the music of her era. So my daughter wisely thought to put on the music of her era just to bring some joy in the midst of it all. And we don't know how much mom was aware. One never knows in, in, in times like that. And so literally at the moment of my mother's last breath, at that very moment, the song comes on cheek to cheek with Bing Crosby uh, singing. <clears throat> and the opening words are, 
heaven. I'm in heaven. <laughs> and we, in the midst of our tears, my wife and I look at each other and we're like, did you just hear that? And I didn't know all the words at that moment. Those opening lines are so clear. Heaven, I'm in heaven. And my heart beats so that I can hardly speak. And I seem to find the happiness I seek when we're out together dancing cheek to cheek. Sorry for the little warbly crooning. <clears throat> it immediately felt to us like a sign. <clears throat> now, I, I, I got to work my theology around this, okay? Uh, you know, I don't always think of Bing Crosby as an evangelist or herald of the kingdom of heaven, but <laughs> in that moment, he seemed to be so. But my mother loved to dance. My wife had been talking with her, leaning her forward into heaven about getting her dancing shoes on because my father's birthday was coming up on the 26th, just two days hence. And so we took that clearly as a sign, <clears throat> immediately, so dramatic to us. Again, don't know how all that works, but um, um, that's where our family is right now. Later that morning, I conducted a funeral for another family in the church whose loved one had died a year earlier, and it was a COVID delay to the um to the service. And the, the, the date had changed sometimes because of COVID. We were hoping to do it here. That didn't work. Hoping to do it there. That didn't work. Okay, let's have about this. So finally, it was April 24th. And so because of some family connection and responsibilities, um, I said, you know, I, I committed to do the funeral. And I thought, you know, assuming my mother would have kept living, you know, if she, if she dies while I'm conducting the service, I'll die knowing I was at my post and my mother would be proud of me, okay? So that's how I had resolved all that in my head. <clears throat> well, she made her exit a little earlier, but I still went through with the funeral and, and glad I did. But it was very interesting to be conducting a funeral service for a loved one and had gotten to know uh, Admiral Ricketts. And in reading Ecclesiastes, not this same verse, but the, the a time to be born, a time to die, there's a time for everything. And as I got down to verse four, so this is when I'm reading just a few hours after my mother's death, a time to weep and a time to laugh, a time to mourn and a time to dance. Now, I've read this passage hundreds and hundreds of times, maybe thousands, in my pastoral work, in my personal devotions, in my reading through the, the Bible, in counsel with individuals, in funeral services. So I know it. I, 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 there's parts of it I could just probably quote from memory. But somehow I had forgotten that paired with mourning is dancing. <laughs> and so, honestly, you know, as I was reading it that morning in, in the funeral service, of course, the, the emotions are already at the surface for me. And it just, I, I just, I was caught. A time to mourn 
and a time to dance. And I'm just thinking of the dramatic departure of my mother's last breath and the heaven I'm in heaven song that, that comes on, the dancing shoes, all of that. Wow. I was thinking, God, you are something else. <laughs> that mourning and dancing get paired uh, the Spirit inspired the writer of Ecclesiastes. A time to weep, a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance. And it just felt as sweet confirmation of what had just happened hours earlier. So as I've had occasion over the course of the week now that has unfolded, so we're I'm now a week since I've been with you in this context and sharing a little bit of the story. I've had occasion to recall a, a theological concept, the perichoresis, okay? This was, it's a, it's a Greek word, and it, it was developed um, uh, five, six hundreds uh, AD by the early church fathers, to try to communicate or, or articulate the nature of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. The word Trinity never shows up in our Bibles. The word perichoresis does not show up there either. So I want to be clear about that. Um, but our um, Apostles' Creed and Nicene Creed, the creedal formulas that get developed in the second, third, fourth centuries as, as the early church is gathering these scriptures together as they're trying to make sense of who this Jesus is, his resurrection, who comes back from the dead, who does all these miracles, who teaches these words. And so they're trying to understand, the early church is trying to cobble together an understanding of Jesus' words and how his relationship with the Father and the Spirit, because each of these are distinctly spoken of as having divine attributes. Do you not know that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? And then I will send the Spirit and then the Father will send the Spirit. And so it, it's these biblical um, phrases that then get cobbled together into an understanding of, oh, God is one God in three persons, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And so... The, the, the formulation of the theological understanding of the Trinity, which is a distinctly Christian understanding. Other people say they believe in God. Only Christians believe in a Trinitarian understanding, okay? And so Orthodox Christianity is Trinitarian. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, each distinct, yet each equal uh, in, in power, in wisdom, in truth. And, um, and, and it's easy to get confused on... The, these matters. <clears throat> so deep, deep mysteries indeed. Well, the early theologians also began to describe this notion of the Father in the Son, in the Spirit, the three-in-oneness of God with this term perichoresis. Well, Don, what does perichoresis mean? Peri, our word perimeter, the perimeter of something is that's around. So peri means around. Choresis comes from a Greek verb, choreuo, <clears throat> to dance. Our word choreography, okay? So a choreographer is one who, who develops the dance, right? Who kind of um, designs that dance. And so 
many of you probably have had children or grandchildren or yourselves have been involved in dance. And so choreography, that, that this is the same root word, to dance around. <clears throat> so the perichoresis is this notion of the unity of the members of the Trinity is perhaps conceived of as some divine dance. The Father and the Son and the Spirit interwoven with one another and kind of picturing there are you could go on the web and you can see people try to draw pictures to try to symbolize this in some way and it's this notion of in and through and around the members of the trinity at one with one another there is there are they are on in one dance but they are distinct partners and so again it, it, there's limits to the analogy. There's limits to every analogy. But when I first heard about the, the perichoresis, um, the, the, a kind of a Trinitarian understanding in the perichoresis, probably seminary or just after seminary. So, you know, you know, graduate. So that was maybe almost 30 years ago. And I've, and I've come you know, I've spoken of this before at Greenwich, uh, actually, but I forgot it until last week. You know, there was a thinking of this dance and going onto the dance floor and etc. I said, oh, so in the perichoresis understanding of the Trinity, the, the, the intimacy and unity, the beauty, the joy, the movement um, of the, the members of the Trinity, there's a sense of community, a sense of oneness and yet distinctness, but it's joy and it's laughter and it's love. You know, those who've danced and, and per, watching, some of us can't dance, you know, I kind of do the robot. <laughs> um, but, but watching dance, watching this movement, there's something pleasing to the eye. This is why we go to dance. I mean, we watch dance or, you know, like to get on the dance floor. <clears throat> And, and so there's, God made us to move. God made us to enjoy dance and then watching it, even if we can't dance. And so the idea is underneath this, um, I, I've spoken of this before. There are traditions that understand that creation was sung into being. C.S. Lewis picks up on this in his Chronicles of Narnia, the, the, the creation narrative uh, in The Magician's Nephew. He has Aslan, the Christ figure, singing Narnia into being. So there's this idea that at the heart of the universe is a song. There is a resonance. There is a beauty. There is a melody. There is harmony. That There are these realities. And so people talk about the music of the spheres. And so, so there's a tradition within our our Judeo-Christian understanding of, of the nature of reality, that song is at the heart of it. That's why song, which is so spiritual, because it's just notes that are floating out through space that hit our ears and move our hearts so deeply, right? And so we sing our faith. You know, you're not going to remember many of these basement academies, but you'll remember Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound <laughs> that saved a wretch like me. You know, my family may not understand, you know, members of the family who are not uh, in the church right now may not understand a whole lot about the perichoresis, but when they hear us tell the story, those who are not in the room, 
about heaven, I'm in heaven, this song and dance, that's the thing, okay? So the idea is that there is at the heart of the universe beauty and wonder and joy and hope and life and laughter and love and a dance. That what salvation is, is God inviting us into the dance. The dance precedes us, right? God precedes us. You are from all eternity, Psalm 93. And so my mother, as she breathed her last, that which she enjoyed in temporary fashion on earth, she loved to dance. And she was telling us, she would tell us of stories in in recent uh, weeks and months of in high school, they would move the tables aside at lunch and they would play little records because remember we used to have records back then, right? (laughs) And then they would dance and she would go to sock hops and things like that and how much she loved to dance. And so that's why my wife, Krista, started talking about getting her dancing shoes on. And I don't think Krista was thinking about the perichoresis, but God the Spirit, I think, was prompting my wife towards that. That when we die... (laughs) We're invited into this joyful experience. We're invited to join God in the dance, not just to watch God dancing, but God invites us into the dance and that we are sharing that dance of life with him. Again, we'll each get our turn to find out, right? (laughs) You know, when it's our turn to, to go. But I sure like that. And so I've been thinking about that this week. So the first of my notes from the house of mourning is that, that I, I thought about the time to mourn and the time to dance, that these Ecclesiastes chapter three, these I've always seen these as bookends. I've seen these as contrasts. I've seen these as opposites, a time to weep, a time to laugh. But in our weeping, we were laughing. Literally, as my mother breathed her last, as that song came on, our tears are coming because she's, she's died. And then we hear Bing Crosby crooning and I look at my wife and we start laughing. And it, I believe it was a true Holy Spirit born eruption of joy. She's there <laughs> dancing <laughs> with the Lord, with my father, with her parents, th- those who've gone before. And so in the midst of our tears, my wife and I, so in the weeping, there was laughing. And and, and so I'm having to renegotiate Ecclesiastes chapter three, because I've always seen these as opposites. Either you're mourning or you're dancing, either you're you're, uh, weeping or you're laughing, either you're keeping or you're throwing away. Well, guess what, friends? We're doing both right now because we're going through all of her belongings. That, that'll probably be another reflection this week. <laughs> the buckets of, 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 of things. And we're keeping some and we're throwing some away. So that time, so mourning and dancing are not opposites that are, that are far away from each other. In the midst of the mourning is the dancing. And so as we mourn, She's dancing, and that dance, that, that reminder of the dance has given us lift, <laughs> it has given us joy, so that in our grief, we can be happy. It's a strange experience, and I'm not saying this is the experience of everybody, nor should be the experience of everybody, but, but this is our experience right now. And so let me offer this as the first of my notes from the House of Mourning. 
Let's take a moment to pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that uh, in our loss, in our times of sadness, there can be deep meaning and joy. That the dance <laughs> our family is now going through, there is movement, there is wonder, there is gratitude, there's discovery happening in our family now as we're looking at old pictures and finding old objects that have been passed from generation to generation that we didn't even know about. That somehow uh, in the middle of it all, uh, in the midst of the mourning, there can be the dancing. In the midst of the weeping can be the laughing. And so, Father, uh, encourage our family, encourage other families that, that mourn in the house of mourning. May there be joy and and hope and, and love that, that are born afresh. And we thank you for the possibility of all of this because of the death and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of the dance. And so as the old hymn reminds us, dance then wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance, said he. And we thank you for that. Help us to walk this, uh, this uh, part of the journey uh, as a family, as a church family, as loved ones. And we will give you thanks in the name of our Lord who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come and thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so it's that old hymn. I am the, what? I don't know, maybe it's 60 years old, 50 years old. Dance then wherever you may be. I am the Lord of the dance, said he, and I'll lead you on in the dance, said he. I am the Lord of the dance. So it's this, yeah, may this dance uh, be a blessing to you. May God keep you, bless you, watch over you. May you find a spring in your step, even today and forevermore. Amen.